0: Hey friends, welcome to The Weekly, where we recap what happened on our weekend services here at Calvary and connect it to your real-life lived Monday through Friday. My name is Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Pastor Jay Ewing, with a special guest as well, Zach
1: Thompson. Hey Zach, how's it going, my friend?
2: I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing?
1: Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Yes. Officially, Calvary has regathered in the large group that is safe and simple. That's right. Don't forget that safe and simple. How cool is that? We, it's back. The large group gathering.
0: It's great to see people in the large group gathering. Although it's really fun to see all the home groups come together, sit together in pockets, little pods around the building. Um, cool. Yeah, and and to have a group of people not regather, no, but gather on the new Thornton campus must have been awesome
2: it was incredible uh yeah gary and i were were joking like when do we say the thornton campus started was it this past sunday was the first time we got to go was it the sunday before where was the trial run was it a year ago when the 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 cohort met for the first time uh all i know is it was so great to be part of it and uh been joking how great is it that uh, calvary thornton waited for me to get here before they decided to actually hold service. See, that's all I was going to say. That's why I
0: wouldn't go with any previous date <laughs> <laughs> before you got here, Zach, because yeah. nothing really existed before you got here, yeah. did it?
2: I, I mean, I, I can't think of anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm calling it the official date. January 17th, 2021, Calvary Thornton
1: hosts its first service. And who knew in 2020 of January that this would happen? I think just Jesus. Only Jesus, my friend. Only
0: Jesus. How amazing is that? Last year, we didn't even know about the Thornton campus. Yeah. Think about that. It's true. And through a series of events, God led us out to Thornton. How crazy is that? And Zach's here. So Zach Thompson is in the studio. Zach, if you don't know, is the newest member of the Calvary Bible staff. He is the pastor of the Thornton campus. You and Emily came out. From California.
2: That's right. We're one of those coming over from California, bringing housing price raises and traffic Mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. But you already drive a Subaru, Subaru, don't you?
2: With a Colorado Avalanche sticker on it. So I'm I'm already official.
1: Yeah. So explain that. People might be interested in that.
2: I assume you mean the Avalanche, not the Subaru. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like all the other ones that are yeah. out here. Uh, the Avalanche uh, fandom started because I was an impressionable eight-year-old in 1996. Uh, so there's math being done right now. Uh, and and uh, they won the Stanley Cup their first year after being uh, in Quebec with the Nordiques. And I was uh, being rebellious and my dad a big Kings fan. Uh, I couldn't be. And so I chose my own team, and I went with Joe Sackick and, and the newly crowned champions, uh, uh, the the Colorado Avalanche. Jumped on that bandwagon, and I have not found a way off yet.
0: That's good. I remember being an impressionable young child when the Avs came, and I thought, this is perfect, that Canada gives us a team, and then the U.S. wins the Stanley Cup.
2: Yep, <laughs> that's right. That's right. America. America, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: That's Just cool. <laughs> So outside of, uh, professional life of ministry, what are you interested in? What do you do? What do you like to uh, spend your time doing?
2: Yeah. So, uh, Emily and I love getting outside. We love, we love hiking, uh, which we've heard there's, there's, one or two hikes in Colorado, is, is that right? Um, to start off with, They're, yeah. Okay. They're all gotcha. flat, too. All yeah, flat. yeah, yeah. So excited about going on some of those. Uh, we, we love traveling back when that was a thing. Uh, so excited to get to do that again, to see new places, see how people live. Uh, we have a dog that we show way too much love for, at least until God gives us kids, and we're excited for when that happens. Uh, I love watching really, really good movies. And also really, really bad movies. I, I don't have much time for the middle ground there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, love love learning. Always reading one too many books, listening to, to too many podcasts, uh, especially since I could just tune into the weekly and get all that I need. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah all do.
0: right, so hold on a minute. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yes. And um, we're just going to create some filters to, to view you through. Okay. So list one of the... Good movies.
2: So the best movie I've ever seen. Besides The Passion of the Christ. Uh, Correct, correct. Or The Um,
0: Nativity Story. Okay, gotcha. So take those off the table.
2: Wow, now I'm really limited (laughs) without those. Uh, So I go uh, Seven Samurai by Kura Kurosawa. It's a Japanese film from the 50s. uh, And it's three hours long of epicness. It it is so good. It is so good. Uh, Nice. Yeah. All right, now
0: give me a list off the bad Bad movies.
2: So there's there's some of the classic ones. Like, uh, it basically, grew up watching Mystery Science Theater three thousand. I don't know if if we have any uh, viewers of that, where they make fun of some of the awful movies. So yeah. uh, Mono's Hands of Fate is is truly abysmal, and it is a joy a joy to watch as a result. That's wow,
1: great, yeah, wow. Two movies <laughs> I've never heard of or never seen.
0: Jay is is exclusively in the genre of Nicolas Cage and gotcha. Steven Seagal.
1: Okay, hey, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally, man. And Tom Hanks. Don't forget Tom Hanks.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love All a right. good Tom Hanks movie. Yeah, it's good. So those are some extracurricular activities. What uh, do you have your degrees in? I know you're super smart. You're probably the smartest person in the room. What degrees do you have?
2: Uh, I would only be the smartest person in the room if you guys were in other rooms while we were recording oh, this. You must uh, be the most
0: humble person in the room, too. Uh,
2: that is true. Absolutely Outside of myself. True. Absolutely true. The most humble person in the room. Uh, So I went uh, to the same school uh, for three different times. I went to Biola University for my undergrad. I got my bachelor's in biblical studies. And then uh, try to find a different seminary, and they reeled me in with giving me a steep discount to mm-hmm. go and get my Master of Divinity at Talbot School of Theology, uh, Biola's uh, seminary that's there. And then I tried to get away again. I was all set to go somewhere else, and then uh, I came back one more time for my Master of Theology uh, that I got from there. Emphasis awesome. in historical theology.
0: All right. Yeah. Then you're the person that we want on this show today, because yeah. we got some questions. And okay. you're going to be the host next week. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Yep. yep. All right, so we're we, we are in this I Am series looking at the statements that Jesus makes in the book of John, and these are statements about his personhood, who he is, and mm. he's connecting himself to God himself, and then the larger, older, broader story that God has told uh, throughout history. And so one of the questions that we've been asking is, why do we keep going back to the Old Testament to unpack who Jesus is? So if someone were to ask you that question, Zach... Why do you guys keep going back to the Old Testament every single week when Jesus is making these statements in the New Testament? What would be some good direction for them?
2: Yeah, that's good. I also think you slipped up a little bit and gave the answer in your question right there because he's connecting himself to the broader story of what God has been doing. Uh, That that Jesus is not uh, a, a plan that God came up with in... Uh, fourth century BCE, where where he was going to create a new system. It was something that was planned from from the beginning, and uh, God uh, showed us a little bit of those plans that we got to see fully realized in in Jesus coming. So. In returning to what God has already shown, it's pointing that he is the one that God has promised and, and showing where God has promised those things. Um, that's, that's why he keeps returning to some of those to, to show who it is that he is, as we see in the Old Testament. Beyond the fact as well that we're reading the, the Gospel of John, and, and what was John reading before he wrote? And, and he was reading the, the Old Testament, so he is connecting the life of Jesus to what he knows, and, and uh, Jesus is quoting what he would have been reading as well, the Old Testament. We see that in, uh, in Luke with him reading from the Isaiah scroll. Uh, these are his scriptures, and he is, he is teaching us who God is from the scriptures that he knows. All right, that should get us
0: all excited to crack open our Old Testament. So many Christians, I think, are kind of afraid of the Old Testament. It seems like foreign ground. But if you really want to see the New Testament come alive and
1: Jesus in a more crystal clear way, you really want to know your Old Testament scriptures. Yes. Yeah. So what are some ways, Thomas, you would recommend for, or Zach, recommend for reading the Old Testament if you're unfamiliar or haven't been there in a long time? So one of the things I would suggest is just start reading it. So one
0: of the ways that you get familiar is just repetition. Mm -hmm. And so just opening up the Bible, reading those stories that maybe you've never read before, start circling themes that show up, um, people's names, certain topics. Um, One of those things that we traced this last week was light and darkness that that theme of light and darkness shows up throughout all of the Old Testament. And when you're reading it, you just start circling those things, taking note of those. And then it's really fun to see as you start reading the New Testament, those themes addressed, some of those stories addressed, when Jesus starts talking about what he's doing, why he's doing it, and you make those connections for yourself in some of the prophets. So one of the things I just say is just do it, don't be afraid of it, and start circling everything that seems to be repetitive and then also uh, circle everything that you want to ask questions about.
2: Yeah, and uh, I know that we kind of get in this this uh, mode when we're reading through the New Testament that we're, we're, we're just trying to see what the words are going on there, but uh, most good Bibles that we have will show us where this quotation comes from or where this illusion that Jesus is using. Uh, actually turn and read those, because uh, a lot of times the context of that, Old Testament passage will will give us so much more richness of what is going on here. Uh, I, I think of uh, Jesus when he's he's on the cross and, and Mark and he and he. Um, says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he's he's quoting from uh, uh, Psalm 22 there. If we read through Psalm 22, we get to this beauty at the end of it that talks about God saving his people. It's it's more than just a cry of pain, which we could just get like, oh, great, he's quoting this this time of pain from the Old Testament. No, he's quoting God's plan of salvation, and we miss that if we don't turn back and see what this quotation is coming from.
1: Cool. That was really cool. I would say just the addition is read it in community. So find some others who want to read it along with you um, and make a plan on how to read it. And so that you can bounce those ideas, those questions, those observations off each other as you read the Old Testament. Because we've all been there. The lone wolf Christian gets all the way to Leviticus and then dies out yeah. very quickly. Oh, man, I love Leviticus. Yeah. When you read
0: the story of Leviticus, all I think about is. God's mercy and provision. There you go. Hmm.
1: Anyway, all right. Off track. Yeah. Well, I'm. You're one of the few who've gotten through Leviticus on their own. Then, but you know, community is super important to keep you motivated, growing, thinking, praying, seeing where God is actually interacting in the yeah, text. That's good. All right. So you guys um, were on the campus.
0: You and Erie, Jay, and Zach. You were out in Thornton. Gary preached in Thornton. Um, You also watched the online message that was posted. I preached that. What sorts of questions came up in your communities or questions about what they heard that we should unpack for application?
2: Yeah, that's good. As I was walking away, I I feel like we did such a good job. Uh, again, just from the two that that I saw of of defining what is this light and showing how beautiful the the light is that Jesus is providing us to to illuminate the darkness and and show us uh, of where God is working on us to make us more and more like Him. Uh, I I felt like we we're assuming a little bit of what darkness is. I I think we can all kind of throw out yeah, darkness is bad. We got that really. Really well, uh, and it's sin of, of some sort. But was wondering, can we spend a little bit of time uh, defining what do we mean by darkness, or, or what does Jesus mean by darkness in these passages?
0: That's a great question. I think um, that's something we definitely did not spend enough time on on Sunday. And you're right, it's, it's kind of assumed knowledge. So when we think about light and darkness, remember we talked about those being two different domains, that those are regions that people either live in or belong to where Jesus says, okay, I've rescued you from the domain of darkness to bring you to the kingdom of his Son, this kingdom of light. And so as we talk about light, which is the opposite of darkness, and in light we talked about being the truth, um, holiness, purity, goodness, rightness, beauty, the darkness is the, the opposite reflection of that. Mm-hmm. So as you're alluding to, absolutely, we're talking about sin. We're seeing darkness from the pages, the early pages of Genesis, um, chaos disorder. Um, There's not life there. And so when when we start thinking about biblical darkness, we're thinking about separation from light. So you're talking about death, sin, chaos, disruption, um, things that produce shame and guilt. Uh, Those are kind of key adjectives or descriptions of biblical darkness.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think you're alluding to this, but Genesis 1 is like, out of the chaos, God spoke. and. The he, first thing was light. So, you know, that's a great metaphor for whatever is chaotic in your life, whatever is like truly not right or um, unhealthy in the sense of choices or stories or all those things. That's darkness, I would say, for the most average listener.
0: Yeah, and mm-hmm. probably one thing that I would probably add to that is these aren't just neutral domains, that there's actually a kingdom of darkness that has an energy behind it that is antagonistic toward the kingdom of light. So when we think of darkness, we think of this present darkness in which there's a spiritual force that's actively against the things that God is for. And so it's deceit, those lies, um, those things that are trying to corrupt the aspects of life and light. What would you add to that, Zach?
2: No, I, I think that's good, uh, especially as we are seeing what does this light mean and what is the purpose of the light, as we're hearing what is contrary to, to god's goodness of of living a life that reflects uh, god's character to the world it, it's the parts of us that uh that we think of sometimes immediately like this is an outlier of that or this is something that's going on and and uh terrified if of people find that out or uh this is the part of me that that uh, i feel conviction about or uh, even if we're not putting that title on it like i i lay it uh, at night and, and think, oh, why did I do this? Uh, those are the things that, that we see as, as darkness because they're not in God's good light, uh, illuminating uh, these areas of where we can grow and be more like him.
0: Yeah. I think building off that, you know, if we start with the premise of this, there's two domains, light and darkness. And first and foremost, that's life and death. And then you kind of unpack what is it that produces more and more life, which is what's true. What's lovely what's right, what's good, what's beautiful, and then what produces death. And you kind of went back, oh, there's sin and disease and chaos and all of these other attributes. I think what's, what's challenging is, and I think Jesus is getting to this point, is why have I been so willing to settle into darkness? Hmm. Like we, we talked about this earlier last week, Zach, where he's taking physical examples and trying to extrapolate spiritual principles about out of them. And one of the physical examples is is darkness, and no one's really comfortable in darkness. Yeah. And the first thing I think of when I'm in the in the darkness is I'm probably just going to die. Like there's something in the darkness that's going to get me. I'm going to die. I should probably turn on a nightlight. At least that's what my kids think too. And then there's something about the spiritual darkness though that I somehow I just don't feel that same urgency to turn on the
1: lights, turn on the spiritual lights, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us to a question then: How do we live as children of the light? How do we transform? How does our stories transform to more and more light and choosing of light? I think first and foremost, you got to know that Jesus' words are light. So Jesus
0: is light. He's life. That means his words are light. And you have to, so to speak, turn them on to see clearly what's going on. One of the passages we quoted on a Sunday was from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it illuminates what's really around you and then kind of shows what's, what's going forward. Later on in, in Psalm 119, I believe it's verse 130, where the psalmist says, the unfolding of your word is light. It um, gives understanding to the simple. And so first and foremost, we have to recognize, okay, we need a light. We're actually living in darkness. And the light is the words of God to illuminate the reality of what's going on. One of the stories I shared with Zach was my brothers and I, I don't know if I was eight, 10, I can't remember, were sitting in my parents' basement, and we think we're the bee's knees because we just went down to the local supermarket and got some chips and some Tostitos cheese dip. And we went down and we watched a movie in the basement on this like little 13-inch TV VCR combo. And we had turned off the lights like a big old movie theater would, and we're like eating chips and this dip. And then I just feel like there's something on my hand. And so we turn the lights on and realize that this whole slew of ants have crawled across the floor into the cheese dip. And I've been dipping my chip <laughs> in the cheese and eating yeah. ants. And that it's is- the first thing is to recognize is the lights are on and now I'm exposed for what's really happening. Right. So that's the words of God is to say, okay, I think I'm in, in darkness. Lord, would you illuminate my life? Would you turn on the lights, so to speak, so that I can see where I'm standing and where I should be
1: going? Yeah, that's really good. But it, like, that's a hard thing to say because usually the exposure light brings upon some consequences, mm-hmm. or at least the thought maybe that shame, guilt is going to happen from these things, right? Yeah. To
0: and to conversation that you and I had earlier, Jay, about the practice of living as children of the light with this practice of confession.
1: Right. It's uh, First John. Uh, well, First John actually. Yeah, 9 and 10. It's just if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him out a liar, and his word is not in us. And what John is trying to do is a practice of confession actually reveals the darkness in us and also brings about more light into what God wants to really do in our hearts and lives.
0: It can be hard to confess, right? Because you think you're going to be harmed.
1: Yeah, totally. And there is some pain and consequence to making confessions, is there not? Yeah, and it's always a risk. Like, am I going to be shamed for this? Am I going to, someone's going to hold this over my head the rest of our relationship? That is going through your head when you're confessing sin.
0: But if we don't confess sin
1: and we leave
0: it unattended in our life, what's the consequence of not confessing this darkness, so to speak, in our life?
2: Yeah, I, I think we have, uh, we, we could see in people's life that it just festers and it grows and it grows and it just uh, gets so much worse. And and even if we don't recognize that it is, uh, in your l- illustration, if we're not, it, it, once the light comes on it illuminates an area where we have a need, uh, if we're not addressing it, we're just dipping the chip back in and eating more ants. Mm. And that is just uh, so much worse. It's gross, man. I know. And a little more protein. So, so let me, let me change the illustration then. So I, I think about it like this. So this, this uh, morning I had to drive my wife's car, um, which uh, we're already doing a a hard enough time with our California license plates. Just every, every drive is, is an adventure. Are are people going to run us off the road? I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not that bad. Uh, But she, drives this small, tiny Honda Fit. Um, while my car, the Subaru Crosstrek, I'm seeing all over the place, I'm not seeing a lot of Honda Fits around. Uh, and so I'm, I'm driving this thing. And, and the reason why I'm doing that is uh, when I left the office uh, yesterday out, out in Thornton, I recognized that well, I had a nail in my tire, and and it was it was really really deflated, and, and there was part of me uh, because there was uh, last night I had a, a dinner meeting to go to. today's full of meetings here at Erie. Uh, t- tomorrow I'm at Boulder for most of the day, and, and then a Thursday a ton of stuff back at Thornton. Part of me is like, can I just get enough air in there to last until Friday? It's my day off, uh, but I. I can't do that because I was just thinking about how much worse things could go. I have had a tire blow out on me before, uh, where you lose control of your car and, and you're just spinning out at the mercy of what's going on around you. Uh, thankfully I didn't plow in any cars, but that's playing through my mind as I'm, I'm wondering, do I fix this tire? And yeah, it's a bummer to buy a new tire. And I didn't plan on doing that two weeks in a living in, in Colorado, but I think of what the alternative could be, uh, of, if I don't address it, things could get so much worse. And that's what it is with sin too, is if we recognize that something's there after it's been illuminated, after God has shown his light on us and we don't address it, well, it just grows. And, and the eventual consequence uh, is going to so much more overpower the, the, the pain and the shame that comes right now. And we're not denying that. We, we recognize that there is pain and shame and hurt now in confessing sin, but, We just see over and over again that it just becomes so much worse if it's not addressed.
1: Yeah. So practically speaking, um, where do you go and how do you do, how would you suggest someone to confess sin? Because you don't want to do that to everyone. You don't want to, you know, you, you have to do that with a trusted, godly person in your own life.
0: Yeah. You know, I've always encouraged people to find somebody that's worthy of the confession. So not everyone can receive your confession because I view confession as a gift. You're giving a gift of yourself to someone that then is able to help you take maybe next steps forward, pray with you, um, know you a bit better. And so find someone who's worthy of the gift of confession, giving it to them. But this is part of living out the light, living as children of the light. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter five, where he says, therefore do not become But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. So there's some of the definitions of good, right, true, darkness, what is dead. Darkness is death. And part of being a child of light is to expose all the areas of darkness. And that goes first and foremost in our own life. So are there habits are there behaviors in our own life that we intentionally hide from people that like a nail in the tire you're saying, Zach, yeah. unless it goes treated, unless we confess it and bring it to the light and bring life to it, it could cause us some significantly you know, more damage in our life. And one of the questions I would just ask people, any guy in my men's group, anyone in my in my life group, would just simply be, do you think you're a person that likes to be known or are you a person that likes to hide? Are there things in your life that you don't let anyone know about? And then start asking yourself, why is that? Is there something I'm hiding because I'm just trying to get by? Can I just make it through the week? I'm so busy. I know how much time this is going to take if I confess these things to my wife. I confess these things to a pastor or a trusted friend. But by the fact of not addressing them, you're actually causing more prolonged damage to your life.
1: Yeah, and I think when you do that... Start with the simple, easiest things to confess, and grow into the practice of confession. Because I think it's a learned thing to to slowly reveal who you are to that person that's worthy to, for that confession. But uh, don't throw it all out at once. Continue to the practice. What, did they receive this? Did they, you know, did they take it and honor it? And did they help me through it? Is the questions you should be asking when you confess to someone.
2: Yeah, that's good. I mean, like we see in everything and and being a a child of the light, it it takes practice and and it takes some easing into it uh, because it's so contrary to how or to what feels natural in our sinful in our sinful selves that we need practice to ease into it. It's the same reason why we don't start with a one week fast uh, when you're trying to get into fasting. It's just, it's not going to go well.
1: Yeah. And, don't jump into reading ten chapters in the Bible right away either. You know, read simply just one at a time. Yeah, get it. Build the habit,
0: but do it. So if you've if you've never confessed your sins to a friend or a trusted member of the staff at the church, I would say mark your calendars, put a date on the calendar, put a time, reserve some some you know of like time on your calendar to do it. Like this needs to be done. It's not um, out of religious tradition, it is out of the promise that even James tells us, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. There is a healing that comes when we expose sin in our own life. Yeah,
1: children of life, that the life of, that's beyond confessing sin is what Jesus wants for us. Freedom, a grace, truth, beauty, all those things come out of confession of sin, guaranteed. Yeah, that's good. All right, let's turn the corner here. Thomas, what do we got coming up this week at Calvary as we talk about what's happening at Calvary?
0: All right, so we're going to have week two of our phased regathering that is safe and simple. We're still in this very first phase where uh, we actually have abbreviated ministries, no cafe, a reduced worship team, and Calvary Kids is birthed through pre-K. If you have elementary kids or middle or high school, they're joining us in service. We have fun ways to engage them, keep them engaged in what we're doing on the weekend. I actually think this is a really beautiful time for the families of Calvary to bring their whole family into the church, that they would witness what is it that the church is, and what does it look like to engage with God's people, His community. This um, this week is going to be another week on the I Am Statements, and we're going to open up a two-part uh it's Section on the I am statements of I am the gate and I am the good shepherd found in John chapter 10. So if you've got some time this week, read John chapter nine. You need John chapter nine, John chapter nine and John chapter
1: 10 for this week. Great. Zach, it's so good to meet you. Hang out with you. I'm glad you're on staff
2: yes so glad to be here Emily and I are excited if you see us and you've seen our picture posted places say hi we want to we want to know who you are we want to know how long you've been connected to Calvary and uh, we're learning this place so help us see uh, how beautiful this church is that, that we're we're loving already
1: great man I can't wait to see you online for all the campuses to see and hear you preach soon so everyone look forward to that that day is coming and uh, thanks guys for hanging out this Tuesday We love you, Calvary. Keep keep being people of the light.